Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. When you establish a business, you must define what success is, what you believe success will be, down to the very last detail, by the way. Justin Seskin is the CEO and co-founder of The Dom, an online outlet for shopping. Justin has been raised by the rag trade. That's it, rag trade's in his blood, and knows what success and no doubt what failure looks like within his own industry. One of the backers of The Dom is Hilton Seskin, who happens to be Justin's father. Hilton is known in the industry as being part owner of Rebel Sport during the 90s, founder of the Glue Store, and responsible for bringing Topshop and JD Sports to this very country. You could say, with his background in retail, Justin's father offers a second voice when it comes to trying to disrupt the very industry which he got brought up in. These retail heavyweights, Justin and his dad, Hilton Seskin, have both joined me on today's show. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. It's an interesting dynamic having both a father and son in this one studio. They're both strong forces in their own right. Unlike other chats I've had, this is a real insight into the way a mentor can help shape you, that is in the case of Hilton, as an entrepreneur and serve as a guide in your very business. So let's get into it. Justin and Hilton Seskin, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. And I denote a South African ex- accent there. I only said accent. Can't shake it. I've, yeah, I've tried uh, the last since uh, the mid-80s. I think we got here in 85. Lost the accent and then picked it up again. What about you, Justin? Have you got the South African accent? Uh, yeah, and I'm embarrassed to say I was born here. You were born in Australia? Yeah. But you got the accent? Yep. Dude. You heard him. You can't shake it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, this is father and son, but it's the son's business we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. I got a funny feeling uh, back in the 80s, you and I might have crossed paths, I'm not sure, but um, I remember in the 80s, <laughs> mid-80s, when I was approached by someone with a South African accent. That's all I can remember because it's such a fucking long time ago. I can't really remember the dude. Did you run? Uh, did I didn't run, no, no. But he, he talked to me about investing in a business which was going to bring into Australia. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Reebok. At the time, um, I'd never heard of Reebok. I knew what a Reebok was, but I, I, from the South African Reebok, so that's all I knew, but I didn't know. And, of course, in those days, I was running around with Slazenger tennis shoes. That's what I would go for a jog in or maybe something slightly better. Um, and, you know, people didn't actually have running shoes those days, but Reebok was about to hit the shores. And, of course, I just said, no, I'm not interested. I was working in a law firm those days, a firm called Simon Zabowski, 
running shoes have taken off big time. Were you around in those days and are you do you sort of remember the period when something like Reebok franchise first came to Australia? Yeah, well, I've got involved uh, because, uh, you know, I – I was part of Rebel Sport and the growth of Rebel. Um, when did that I, kick off, Rebel? So Rebel kicked off in 85 as a literally a warehouse in an outdoorium in Bankstown. And uh, I joined at the end of 86. So you were born South Africa, obviously, but yep. what's your background prior to that then? A chartered accountant by background, had been in retail for a couple of years uh, before I left uh, South Africa. And they were looking to try and evolve this business, which was Rebel Warehouse. It was part of, as I said, this big barbecues outdoorium. And uh, I was working for Touche Ross at the time in um, management consulting and hated every second of it. Um, and I was looking at bringing in actually some um, sporting goods um, into the country. And then I actually got to meet the guys who were from Barbecues Galore, Sam Lins. Um, and I got to meet them. And uh, there was a guy, Ian Dresner, who was. Um, a shareholder in there in, in that business at the time, but it was really a real warehouse. And uh, uh, they asked me to join, and I said, "Great, as long as I can get some equity at some point, and you know, make a may help make a go of the business." So that's where I got involved. And so from the the end of '86, I was involved in really the growth of uh, Rebel. Wow, what's interesting about that is who would have thought Rebel Warehouse would end up where it is? I think Harvey Norman owns it now. No, Harvey Norman, so yeah. So Harvey Norman did own it for a period of time. We did a deal with uh, Jerry, which was a great experience. And um, I can imagine it was, as no, much was, as I love Jerry and Katie. Yeah, uh, I spent five years on a board with them. And yeah, I did. I genuinely, I had a great, I really had a great time uh, on that board and uh, with Jerry and Katie. And yeah, with the business continued to build. We were listed before they acquired a controlling stake. A warehouse in Bankstown called Rebel Warehouse. Yeah. Turns into... The rebel business today. A guy who thought I'll bring in the, you know, the Reebok franchise in Australia was a bit of a pioneer, um, and he was South African, as I recall. And look, you know, every shoe is available here now. And in fact, it's a thing. You've got to have these shoes. I wear them myself. I got to have them. And from very humble beginnings, just catering to a small market, it turned into a massive business, which is sort of a good segue into what Justin's doing because you probably take some solace out of that fact. I mean, here you are, you're punting into a business model. Your model's slightly different, mm -hmm. but the product's the same. Mm -hmm. Modern version. Yeah. It's a modern upgraded warehouse, but it's online sort mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. But you're pretty much selling the same shit um, and uh, because there's no new products. Literally, some of it is the same shit. There are probably things on there that they sold in Back the 85s. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't mind having a look at some of that stuff. But you're old man over here, um, and I can say that because I'm probably even older, but uh, – uh, I'm, I'm looking at your dad over here. I mean, the experience of what your dad had and because he's seen the evolution of this stuff or the success, probably more importantly, the success is really important to have experience and seen, which you may have seen it from afar as a kid, but he was sort of in the, in the weeds and he can sort of see the potential failures too. How important is it to you to have someone like your dad? He's got another job somewhere else, but mentoring you, so to speak, through this process. Or do you just say, hey, dad, I'll take what I want and uh, step aside. He's uh, smart. Yeah. He's smart. I could say that. Call him a, a silent advisor, but he's not very silent. We know that. No, I mean, I've, I've observed his career, and I think you know, when I was a kid, I used to follow him around the shopping centres into sport, and I think the why I really connected with it was what he was involved in was always what I was interested in. So rebel sport, I was interested in sport when I was a kid. and then Sport uh, or sporting sport. where? Sport. Well, I mean, I played cricket, I played right. soccer, tennis, running, everything. Yeah. And 
and always because of that had the access to all the latest and greatest gear. Which yeah, but you would have been the coolest kid at school. Yeah, well, that's what made me a good sportsman, I think. It was the good bat, right? It wasn't anything else. Uh, and then after that, he went into fashion and that was at the time when I was starting to open my eyes to fashion. And at the time I was just really into sports. I was playing soccer, I was playing cricket, I was running, I was playing tennis. So, so that was the appeal. I mean, obviously the equipment is part of it. You want the best boots and you want the best cricket bat and the newest helmet or whatever it might be. So that's what attracted to me to that business. And then the next one that he got involved in, which is glue, I was 16 years old and starting to care about fashion and thinking I wanted to look cool or think I look cool. And so what he was doing is almost aligned with what I was interested in at that time. Like if, he, if he got into the fashion business when I was 10 years old, I wouldn't have given two shits about it. But because it was cricket bats and soccer balls and all that sort of stuff, I was really interested in what he was doing. I wasn't going to my friends and saying, my dad's a chartered accountant. That's, that's not exciting. That's not cool. But he was involved in the things that were cool and that everybody wanted to get involved in. As I said, everybody wanted the best soccer boots and the best cricket gear. And, and he, he was in that space that was super relevant you know, amongst my friends, at least when I was young. And then as he moved into fashion again, that became super relevant amongst my friends and my age group. And, and I, was, I was in it and I understood it. And I was, I was observing, I guess, him building these businesses around these areas that were so relevant to me at the time. I'm going to come back to you, Hilton, because I, I know you want to say something. Because <laughs> feel it on okay, my yeah. left side. But, but I want to just look at that word relevancy because it's quite a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually can form our thinking process. Mm-hmm. Relevancy for a young man especially. Mm-hmm. Relevant in relation to your cohort of friends. Relevant into a broader, into a broader group that is, you know, just – 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, not just with your friends but just generally, mm-hmm. how important is the concept of relevance and the feeling of relevance that you're, you're at the cutting edge, so to speak? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can you, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever – this is a bit not psychology but I'm getting into the sort of really yeah, into no, the deep into it. No, no, I get it. I think it's, it's that relatability. If he was in the restaurant industry when I was 12 years old, I wouldn't have cared about it because I didn't care about restaurants. So how, how do you know you wouldn't have cared about – Food and become a real foodie. Well, unlikely and as a tell, as a twelve year old. Tell the truth. What? How did you become interested in food? And uh, you're going to take credit for that one. I'm not going to let you. Um, I love it. Come on, come on. Let's talk about that. <laughs> now let's talk about your response. I like the response. I'm not going to let you have that one, Dad. No, I, I think it's a relatability. I, I I related to sports. I understand. Another example. If he was in. Wine industry, there's another one. As a 12-year-old, I wouldn't have cared. It's, yeah. It wasn't relevant, it wasn't relatable, and it wasn't something that I would have been interested in that time. So I probably wouldn't have been such an observer of his career and what he'd done if that was the case. But he was always involved in things that were just so relevant to me at that point in time. Okay, Hilton, were you aware of that? I, I probably was indirectly. I mean, my, you know, my weekends were taken up with sport because he was a keen sportsman. Yep. Um, but Saturdays was my day that I went to stores and I had an assistant who came with me every Saturday because uh, he loved it. For, for Justin, it was an experience going to see Rebel stores around the country, you know, country or wherever it is. So that was a great experience for him. And um, even at the age of 10, he, he, he would talk to me about things that made sense. They were just like common sense. He, he, Justin used to ask me why we don't have a section called Junior. Uh, rebel like why didn't why don't we have something well here's your marketplace I mean, exactly the best he, research he kept, you can do. and we did we set up a, a junior section because it became obvious that we needed that um and 
as I progressed through what I did, as Justin said, he was interested. You know, when we started, I started Glue Store, which, uh, you know, was a fashion concept. And it was at a stage where he was 16. Justin always worked while he was at school and he either worked at the stadium um, selling pies or, um, but when he was old enough, he worked in the glue business. And to his credit, he was our best salesman. You know, he worked in our Chatswood store and every week his name was number one in terms of most sales. He used to run in the store. So, so the relatability that he talks about is actually tr translated into action because he, was, he just wanted to be successful in what he was touching and, and what he was involved in. And, you know, I'm going to take the credit. I was in food. I got involved in food because I'm a crazy man. Okay, so uh, I was involved in setting up Wildfire Restaurant. I own the one, yeah. Okay, so, um, so I was one of the partners. And I think since then, he, he suddenly that was in his zone of liking food again, you know? Well, this, this is an important question. Don't, don't misinterpret it, please. Were you aware that you're bringing your son through a funnel? I mean, because when I was looking at you then when you were talking about food, there was a wry smile on you. And I saw a, um, I got a, a sense of um, body language. Uh, I reject that proposition from uh, Justin. But were, just because he takes claim for everything, that's why. Well, that's my question to you. And there's nothing wrong with it because I sort of do it with my four sons in different ways. I think it happened naturally. I 100% will say that it was unconscious, uh, the behavior, but there was obviously a. From your point of from view. From my point of view, but there must have been a subliminal consciousness that was enjoying Justin actually picking up, same as my daughter, picking up the threads of what I was doing and showing interest and being good at it in, in certain areas. But the important part here is that whatever I did was unconscious to start with. But watching the behavior and, and the way Justin actually, he latched onto things and, as I said, like became the best salesman. And it showed me that he actually had an interest in these things. And, and as a father, like that's like, you know, how much more can you want out of a kid to say, to see that number one is they like what you do. Number two is they adopting some of what you do. And it's the same sport, you know, whatever. I, I was good at the same sports that Justin was, he was good at. He was better than me. I'll give him credit for this one in every sport. but. You know, he, so, but you do, you live through your kids in a, in a lot of ways. And I didn't push him in sport, but he did it naturally. And, and the same as business. Like I never pushed him, but it was nice to see him come along the road. And you, even, yeah. But you don't have to push him because I think pushing a smart parent doesn't have to push the son or the daughter. It could be just a little nudge. Nudging is quite powerful. Um, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this is that, are you a product of and a DNA product of your father, I'll or, answer. Is, or I'll, is this an external thing you've I, done yourself? I might be able to give some insight. Come on, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, as I said, I was always observing and retail. It almost came naturally to me because of all those years of just being an observer. I'm super competitive. I like to win, but I'm not going to just jump into anything. If I, I'm a shit swimmer, I'm never going to try to be a good swimmer and try win competitions in that. I went after school. I studied. I did finance and accounting. And then I thought, same as your dad. Same, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, that was just, I didn't know what to do. I knew I wanted to do something in business and I thought that was, that was a good groundwork. So I went and did that. Didn't enjoy it. Didn't go to any class, but I did it. Trying to understand or work out what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be successful. I knew that I wanted to win. So naturally I looked at, okay, well, what, what do I think I can be good at? I think I can be good at retail. I understand this and I think I can excel and I think I can, I think I can overachieve. It was a conscious thought process. It, it was almost subcon it was subconscious for a long time and then it became, this makes sense for me. I get it. I can win in this. I'm going to go for this. So did you spend any time pursuing your studies 
No. And I, if, I, if I'm honest, I do have a slight regret in not doing that. I have four sons, three of whom did commerce degrees at university. One did, in addition, that computational science, only one of which ended up working in an accounting firm, all of whom just did the degree because I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and only one uses it, and he's a partner of a chartered accounting firm sort of thing. But they all followed things that sort of I had influence over them or they saw me doing as, as young people. Parents have an incredible amount of, if it's a positive thing, incredible amount of um, influence over what their sons or daughters do, I think, particularly if they open the pathway for them. And what's interesting about one of my sons, funnily enough, and we're going to talk about your business in a second, he actually established a online business called Hagler. H-A-G-L-R. It didn't work out in the end because he did it probably way ahead of you. It was maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago he did it, which was going to people like brands and putting their sale items online and where you bid, you the buyer, you bid. It was like a mm-hmm. bid-offer type arrangement, probably a little bit too complex, but he wrote all the software and stuff like that himself because that's, that's his thing and it folded. But he had a commerce degree as well but didn't want to follow my footsteps. So it's sort of I can see some parallels, which is interesting. Um you know, I hope to say, and I think it's the same in the case of Hilton, that I had a good influence over my kids, probably some bad things too. And probably everything they do that's wrong is probably also influenced by me. But it's interesting the influence a parent has. And you've invited your dad along today. You know, here mm-hmm. he's sitting here opposite you. This is your business, not his business. He's got his own thing going on. You're a JD right now, still there. Um, but it's interesting that you're happy to have your dad here. And by the way, I think it's a great thing. He's not trying to step on your territory in this room, mm-hmm. but at the same time he's there to lean in if you need him. I can see it. And uh, you, on the other hand, um, you're saying don't fucking lean in too much and you're, you've got the forearm up. Um, but at the same time you're welcoming him to do that. Um, it's a very interesting dynamic. Like uh, it's rare, to be honest with you. I don't see this very often. It's a rare thing. I mean, I do it myself. I mean, if one of my sons was going to do a podcast someone and invite him in, I definitely would go. They probably wouldn't invite me because I'm sort of a bit too well-known and uh, they think, oh, fuck that, I, you know, everyone's going to want to talk to you all the time. Um, and uh, and I would be so conscious that not to talk, to be frank with you, um, I'd be sort of conscious of that outcome and just really want my kid to be doing it. I, I think before we start talking about your business, what, why you went into Dom, and we're going to talk about that name, by the way, um, uh, it's interesting for me to see this going on you know i really appreciate it so i wanted to say that at the outset it's nice so, to hear. thank you so justin yeah you all got the court now okay mm-hmm. here we go i'm going to serve up your return tell me the transition you're at glue you're wherever what happened yeah okay so been in retail for however many years i mean retailing what everything fashion fast fashion eyewear everything all different things in right. different capacities in merchandising in operations in financial and uh, commercial roles. So I think I've got a fairly broad knowledge of the retail industry. I would say that I, I know what's going on there. Yep. Uh, interesting, and I've got to be careful with what I say here, I hate shopping centres. I He loves shopping centres. My sister loves shopping centres. I hate centers. them too. I can't stand them. But I'm in I retail. I get lost in the car park. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I don't go to the car park. I park outside because I take I do cues, too. Yeah. At Bonner Junction, I park at the cross road. It costs me more money, but mm-hmm. I park cross road. So, okay. So how, how do we get to this business? Yeah. I've been involved in uh, managing a brand as well. It, it really came from COVID and it's a cliche now. And I know there's many things that come out of COVID, but that's the truth. Uh, we were lucky enough during uh, the first lockdown, we were out of Sydney and we had a bit more time than we normally would and sitting and thought, okay, well, this is a good time. Just to two start. of you? The, yep. the, with the family, actually. The family, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thought this is a good time to start 
thrashing out some ideas, some, yeah. We've always been too busy, head down, focused on what we're trying to do, but this is some good time. So you're in just, the weeds normally? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah normally, back. Yeah. First time ever. Take a step back, relax, and you know, spend a bit of time talking, cooking, doing all these nice things. With mum and dad and sister? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And her husband now. Yep. Yeah. And the little dog. And so we started to just brainstorm some ideas. I had a we few things. Who, well, me, and I was bouncing them off him and off my brother-in-law and uh, th- some other people that we brought in through, yeah, to the phone calls as well. But just thrashing out a few ideas. I had one that was in a more of like a, more of a tech business, a, a staff benefits thing and interest. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, and this one, I thought, okay, I understand the challenge that retailers are going to have. I understand the challenges that brand owners are going to have. What I, was a challenge? Tell the me challenge, challenge. I'll tell you. The problem. The problem. The problem. The, the, problem. the problem was where do you, how do you manage your inventory, especially in a time like COVID? And I was probably one step away from doomsday prepper. I didn't have tinned food in my cupboard, but I really thought that this is going to be fucked and this is yeah, going to be a big Everyone, mess. I did too. Yeah, yeah. So I looked at the problem that retailers had. They're going to have all the stock. How are they going to clear the stock without damaging their brand? They're going to want to deal with the problem now, but they're also going to want to come out at the end of it with a brand that's got integrity, that's intact, that, that will flourish afterwards. How do brands yep. not bastardize their brand mm-hmm. by having too much stock? Is that it's, what you're talking about? It, kind of. It's not necessarily. Well, yes, how do like they do that without having too much really stock? Cheap. Exactly. How do yeah. they not bastardize their, bastardize their brands by dragging dirt, trying to sell it, trying to sell as much as they can. Yeah, in other words, yeah, come buy. buy a 50% discount on yeah. shit now, 70% yeah. discount now because we've got to clear the stock. Correct. And it's yeah. also how you do it. If you're doing a big warehouse sale and somebody's spruiking 70% off $10 yeah, yeah. shoes, that's not that's not good for the brand, right? So I, look, I looked at the options that existed in the market in Australia, uh, online, offline, and that really got me thinking, hey, there must be a better way to do this. I so what, was, what were the two solutions? What were the offline solutions? Are they the DFOs? DFOs would yep. be one, and, and it's a good solution, but it's only accessible to a select set of brands. And I think well, also you can't get there. We weren't allowed to leave home. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. But long term, and we were thinking of we weren't trying to solve a problem that existed in that point in time. We're trying to identify a problem that we think is going to have longevity. Ongoing, right. Yeah, not, not, it wasn't a flash business that was going to come in and out, and as COVID disappeared, the business would disappear. So we really challenged the, the solutions that existed for brands uh, online and offline DFOs, uh, all the online solutions and what they do and what they don't do for the brands. Um, funny enough, he had uh, him and a friend of his were talking about not a outlet business or not a discount business, but a similar retail type business. So I went and spoke to him and I said, hey, this is this idea. And he said, well, actually, I've got this. I've got something not similar, but something related that he's been talking about with one of his friends. And we sort of came together and started to to build out the idea. Um, so we called his friend who's a, a quite an astute businessman and I shared the two ideas that I had and he said the first one, find somebody else, this is a waste of time, this is useless. But the second one, oh, I think there might be something in it. So that, that we really started to to build out in the concept, build out in the idea. And I think where why I like his involvement is he's got all that traditional retail experience. This is, this is a modern retail business. It's, it's totally different to anything that existed 10 years ago or even five years ago. But those those traditional principles are still important, and and, and there's a, that, and I think that's a lot of where he adds value. You know, how, how do we build brands? How do we talk to the customer? How do we understand the customer? How do we bring those traditional retail elements into it? And then where I come in is like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take those and, and take it to the next level. Let's let's look and at, modernize it and modernize it to to a, to a different audience. 
to, to a different audience, but I, I, to what, not, to not what just a different audience. To? Because I can ask you, where do you do your shopping? Now you don't you don't go to the shopping center. You you do your shopping online as well. So yeah, yes, sometimes, 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 yeah. sometimes. But like, it depends. Um, if I'm buying a standard pair of say Nike shoes that I know say Air Pegasus, I yeah. know my size. I know I've always I like to run an Air Pegasus. Yeah, I'll buy them online. Yeah, um, subject to them having the colors I want. Yeah. Um, that's what I do, and I know my, you know, I know, I know all the vari- variables. But if I'm trying to find something a little bit different, I yeah. probably prefer to go to the store because I want to actually see what it looks like. Can I ask you a question? Yep. That behavior, I think that's how I'm going to say most of the Gen Z millennials would have behaved five years ago. They would have bought the thing online that they knew they wanted online, and they would have done exactly the same. If it was more to browse, they would have browsed in store. But that's shifted. Do you yeah. think it's do you, do you see it shifting for you as well? Like, um, if you're talking specifically about shoes, or um, in anything, in anything. anything um, I mean, the things that we're buying online now and never would have I thought five years ago because yeah. I don't want to buy anything different than what I've always that I always buy. It. So I pretty much know where, where I get my t-shirts from, where I get my pants from, where I get my shoes from, where I get my suits, ties, jackets. Blah blah. blah. Yeah. I know exactly. I, I'm got to a stage in my life I don't browse because I don't make any change. I just buy the same shit over and over again mm-hmm. um, because I just don't have to make. I don't want to think about what I'm going to wear, um, and that includes um, you know, casual wear outside of work and stuff like that. So uh, I'm probably slightly different because I've, I've become stuck in my ways. I'm not interested in wearing something different. Um, yep. But it's, it's interesting that you sat down during the COVID period and sought the counsel of your father and mm-hmm. etc. But during a period where you actually took a break from what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you thought about what can I build, what can I create? And you come up with two ideas, one of which um, someone else was interested in as well. And that gave you encouragement to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you didn't just plan for the COVID period. You planned for uh, the future. Yeah. I mean, you're addressing the future. Yeah. That's really, to me, is really interesting that you would, you know, you're a young man. At that stage, you would have been 31. Yet you were sort of saying, I'm going to address the future, and but I'm going to look at traditional things at work. And try and pick out of those traditional things that work, um, things that suit me. That's you in your case, Justin. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use my dad as Hilton as a mentor because he's been down that track. But then I'm going to add my own source to it. Mm-hmm. And be, basically, you built, you became a cook, which is the reason why we, you know, you have to thank your dad for that because he got you interested in food, if you remember. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you're basically cooking up, you're building um, a recipe. And sometimes we refer to that and we hear it referred to it. In a thermomix, not over a fire. Well, yeah, we, yeah correct. And we, 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 we continually get told about algorithms. An algorithm is just a recipe. It's another fancy word for a recipe. But you build an algorithm, mm-hmm. you know, but based on lots of inputs. And that algorithm gave you an outcome. I want to talk about that algorithm, all the inputs and all the assumptions yep. when we come back. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Justin, I mean, I use a fancy word algorithm, but which is just a recipe for what DOM does. Mm -hmm. Can you explain the business model? Yep. What is DOM? What is the DOM? So it's an acronym. I mean, it's, it's, tell me what it stands for. Direct Outlet Mall. Direct Outlet, outlet Mall. Mall. We don't yep. really use that, but that's really the principles of the business, and that's that's the core of the business. But we're careful with the words that we use because they do have connotations with both the brands and the customers that we are working to overcome and resolve. But they they exist at the moment, so sometimes we fight them, sometimes we don't, sometimes we work around them. I can tell you a funny story about how we got to the name DOM. If you want to hear it, yeah. It stands for Direct Outlet Mall. It stands for Direct Outlet Mall, but when I think uh, I hate giving him credit, but uh, this one was him his being idea. Justin. You're just because yeah, yeah. you're sitting in a room, uh, people don't know who Justin is. Uh, Hilton is sorry. So yeah, talking about Hilton. Yep. It what pains me to say he came up with the name Dom, and he called me. I remember. I remember it really clearly. And it was, he called me and uh, one of the partners in the business who's very involved, and he said, I've, I've got the name, I've got the name. And we spent weeks and weeks trolling through the internet trying to find names, finding names that had domains available. And he said, I've got it, Dom, Dom, Dom. And I just said, no fucking way, we're naming our business after a condom. Like, that's it. Conversation over. Condom, but, sorry, Dom being the, 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 the slang yes. version of yeah. Yeah. condom. Yeah. yeah. I hang up the phone. Half an hour later, I called back. I said, oh, I'm coming back with my tail between my legs, but... All the reasons that I said I hate the name, I think I actually like it. <laughs> so, and how do you feel about that? Well, I for me, it, all I was I was looking for a logical solution. So I said, why spend millions of dollars building a brand that people don't understand? Direct outlet mall, you can make a digital outlet mall, you can digital off price mall, direct off price mall, whatever you want. But you've got the word, you've got the acronym, use it, okay? And I said. And it's registerable, so just take take it. And as you know, when he rang me and he said, for every reason that I hated it, I actually love it. <laughs> well, that's there's something in that, by the way, because it's a, it's a strong word, Dom. People asked me many years ago, why did I choose the name Wizard? And because it's a memorable name, it doesn't really matter if people like it or fucking hate it, as long as they remember it, it's mm -hmm. irrelevant. There's no point in trying to come up with a word that everyone likes because you know what happens? You, you'll come up with a sanitised word and no one will really remember it. Yeah. Like you can get to so I mean, that's what the banks do. It can get be can be so sanitized that people never remember what the what it is. So Dom is a memorable word. It's a strong word. It has connotations. Wizard had connotations. Dom has connotations. You know, all sorts of connotations. Um, you know, I, I was thinking, to be frank with you, uh, Dom Perignon. So I was thinking, you know, Dom Domino. There used to be an ad on television, Dom, 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 Dom. Dom. It was about Dom Perignon. So, um, yeah, and it, and the acronym sort of the, what is the cinema acronym, whatever the fuck it is, D-O-M, stands for Something if someone wants to actually pursue that, so I think I think it's a a good memorable name. Mm -hmm. No, it's a it's a good name because it's memorable yep. and it's strong. And, and yeah, that, that's exactly why I came around and said I liked it. So you did the analytics on uh, the mental. You did the mental arithmetic on it and worked it through it and had to come back with your tail between your legs. That old copper suite. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Did you have to? What sort of equity did you have to give him for the name? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Good man. I love it. I love that. Uh, no, he had another name that he wanted to call it. That thankfully we didn't go with. What was that? That was Millennial Mall. I said I got to. Ch- oh, I've got. I've got something. If you can spell Millennial, we'll use it. And totally. Hundred percent. I love that. <laughs> Fuck me. Like most people put up words that you can't spell. Like we make an assumption everyone knows how to spell Millennial. I mean, it's, I don't know. Is it two L's or what? two N's? I don't know. I, I couldn't. Like, even yeah, tell like you. off the top of my head, like I might be able to write it out. But you're right. Hundred percent. And is, and is it dom.com.au? The dom.com. The dom.com. The dom.com. So it's got a ring. It's got a rhythm it rolls on off it. the tongue. It's got a nice rhythm yeah. to it. I, I like it. It's cool. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's it's awkward, but therefore it's cool. Yeah. I think it's probably the way I could summarise yeah. it for yeah. you. Um, okay, so now explain the business model. Okay, the business model. So I think the first part, the first problem that we wanted to solve yep. was the brand the supply problem, which I've yep. kind of well, spoken a little bit about before. So we wanted to build a solution, and it's going to sound cliche, but coming from you know brand owners and people that have been brand holders or brand custodians for so for so long, and it's not just me and him, but all the people, it's me and Hilton, but all the people that we've got involved as well. That's the space that we get, and we wanted to build a solution that works for the brands. We wanted to, you know, we wanted to deeply understand, as I said, what the brands like and don't like about the existing solutions. And let's shape this proposition, shape this business around their needs. It's a solution that allow, allows brands to sell anything that's off price, whether it's promo, whether it's sale or outlet. What does off price mean? Off price is anything that's discount, anything that's not full price. So it could have a 10% discount, a 30% discount or a 90% discount. But we want brands to have control over their destiny. We want this to be an expression of the brands, not an expression of our business. You know, similar to you going to a shopping center. And you walk into whatever store might be, Calvin Klein, and it feels like Calvin Klein. And it's Calvin Klein's personality and it's their brand and it's their logos and their imagery and their pricing. We wanted to replicate that experience online. So I think simplistically speaking, we what we have what we wanted to do, and I think what we've done is create an online shopping mall where brands hold on to their integrity, they hold on to their identity, and they're in full control of how their brand presents, how their pricing presents, their shipping proposition, everything, how it features on the DOM. And, an ex- and a brand I would know, for example. Okay, a brand you would know. So Superga. Superga shoes, do you know it? Do I need to pick yeah, again? Oh, fuck. Okay. Champion. Champion. <clears throat> yeah, champion. Champion. Okay. champion. champion. Right. champion. Yep. They, like they would in a DFO outlet store, they curate the range or they select the range that they want to put on the site. It's their brand imagery. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, it's their logo, it's their imagery, it's their campaign material. It's all their product imagery. It's all of their product descriptions. It's their pricing, most importantly. They they totally control what that customer journey looks like for their brand on our side. So you go into a DFO, into a champion outlet store. It's it's that we want we're trying to replicate that experience online. So the customer feels like they're shopping from the brand. And everything that the customer sees is what the brand wants them to see. So I can understand this problem. Mm-hmm. It's not like going into the Rebel store where you've got every brand up yep. so, sitting alongside each other. Yeah. When I go into the dom.com, yep. like a sub store or a subset of mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. And it's that's the champion experience. I get the total experience. I don't see everything line up against each other. Yeah. So it's not like sitting in a, me walking into Rebel and seeing well, you, a shelf full of shoes. Well, there's, there's, there's a little bit of both. There's two ways that the customer wants to shop. Some want to shop by brand and then they come in through that way. And so what do you ask by- me? Do you ask me? Are you looking for brand? I mean, do you prompt me or? We don't prompt you, but we give you the option to go down both paths right, okay. on the site. But I, I think the important thing, and I don't want to mention any specific competitors, but yeah. what 
a lot of brands don't like about the competitors is they take control, they buy the product and then they take control. They control the pricing, they discount the product when and where they feel like they discount product the brands want them to and don't want them to and also dictate what that customer proposition is for their brand and on behalf of their brand. Right, okay, so you, you don't adulterate. It's unadulterated basically. So you leave it open on your platform. Mm-hmm. You leave it open for the brand to do what they want to do. So yep. there's interaction. So does, yep. it, does that mean the brand has access, authorised access to the site and can fill it up? To part of the site, yes. Somebody's got to go to them. Someone's got to talk to them and say, yep. well, would you like to come on to here? This is, what, this is our concept. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to promote it, et cetera. Um, this is your store. Yep. Um, here are the keys. Here's the keys, yeah, yep. in a digital sense. Yep. And, and, and fill it up. Yep. So they have to populate the site. Yep. Hilton's got he, – he's he wants to say something, but should we allow him to speak or not? Not yet. There's one thing I want to add that I want to say to that. I think what, what for me, the sign of success, what the measure of success in that, and that's obviously a part of the business, is that brand trust and brands wanting to work with they us. They trust you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Our, our goal is to be the most trusted partner for brands. That, right. that's, that's what we set out to achieve. That's and, good. Partner for brands. Yep. So you are partnering with brands. We're partnering, partnering with, with, brands, partnering with brands, brands in a digital way. Yep. When everything that we do, we ask ourselves a question first, what are the brands going to think of this? business decision that we make we really challenge ourselves and often we're asking brands what do you think if we do this is this going to be good is this going to be not good is this aligned with what you want but for me the most satisfying thing to hear is obviously i've been involved in a lot of brand presentations pitching the proposition to brands is at the end of the meeting and it's happened many times when they when we get this is really refreshing this is what we want to hear and this is the type of business that we want to work with and that that to me says okay i think we've got something right so, so I get the business model thinking. I actually want to come back to you. In a, I want to park it, but I want, mm-hmm. do want to come back to it. How you fill in your website, mm-hmm. your proposition, mm-hmm. how you actually get people to be attracted to what you're proposing to give you the inventory to sell to the consumer ultimately. I want, but I want to park it and come mm-hmm. back to it. Hilton, do you think that is a complete and accurate description of the model? Um, yeah, I think. Did I get the full bottle there? No, I think I think there's things, there's elements that are probably missing, and I'm just sitting here. You'll never no, say yes. No, no, no. The, re- yes, no, the reason I'm li- I'm sitting here listening to what you would hear, and I think there are pieces that probably we try to cram this in, which would Justin, I'm sure, would be a two hour presentation, an hour into five minutes. And I think one of the things that you know I was listening to the thing that is so. Appealing. I thought you did a fucking great job. I understand. Well, I, well, tell me about it. Come on, come well, on, tell I me. Come on, leave. I can leave. leave. No, I can go. No, no, no. we want you to stay. No, we want you to stay. No, yeah. no I think I, I think it's the thing that really is would be attracting attract very attractive to brands is the company they're sitting. Um, that they've been very selective as to the brands that they brought on, and you mean the, the other brands, the other brands. Mm-hmm. So they've been successful in bringing on you know, over three hundred brands, and the reason they've been successful is they've pitched it number one in a premium way to sell outlet, and number two is the brand alignment is very good. So you're not sitting with, I'm going to call them poor brands or brands that are just don't have any brand equity okay. in the market. And I think that's good. And the other thing which I well, think- Could I just stop there? Yeah. What does brand equity mean in the market? Is it, is it the DOMS market? And what is the DOMS market? How does that work? Wait, Justin, I'll, you I'll can answer, answer that, yeah. What is poor brand equity? Poor brand equity, and it doesn't matter what it looks like or- Yeah. Are you proud to wear that brand? 
But how do you determine that? How does one determine that? Well, I don't think one can determine that, but the market can certainly determine that. Well, how do you know the market's determined that? So what are the what are the signs? What well, we the, know what people are searching for. We know what where the demand is and we know what brands are relevant at any uh, point in time. That, that changes, of okay, course. Okay, so when you say you know what people are searching, so mm-hmm. do you do some analytics or do you have someone in your organisation do some yeah. computational informatics or yeah. analytics at least? What resonates, where the, where the searches are going, mm-hmm. what people are largely interested in? Yeah. I mean, there's many ways you can find this information. You look in the street and you can see it. Uh, social media, I'm not the one to do it, but somebody trolls through social media and sees what is relevant, what are people asking for. There's a, a whole lot in Google, of course, that you can gain. What what are the brands that, what are the key brands that people are searching for? There's a million and one places that you can find it. It's just bringing it all together and so understanding. There's analytics around data analytics. Some of it's data and you. some of it's anecdotal. Yeah, I understand yeah. that. But the old days... We would walk through, you know, somewhere cool, mm-hmm. like in the old days, Double Bay was in the eighty, in the mid eighties. I would have gone and said, "Shit, that guy's got Reebok." And what the hell is that? <laughs> and then, uh, then everyone would have, would have started doing a bit of talking around, and people would have said, "This is the coolest thing in the world at the moment." But you got to get it. There's, there I've got, there's brand equity, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I, and I probably would have gone, would have gone bought it myself. Mm-hmm. In fact, I did. So, but what you're doing today is that plus old school plus mm-hmm. the proper analytics around the data. Mm-hmm. You've got people, dudes in your business who do that work, and they come up and they say, "Here's some. This is the brand equity associated with that particular brand who you're going to go and pitch to, or you might have them gone to, but you about you should go and pitch to them and get them up on the site." Yeah, and there's nothing quantifiable there. I mean, it's a it's a it's a conversation. Is this a brand that we think aligns with the brands that we've got? Yep. And then just to answer your question about brand equity, what is it? My view is brand the brands that have brand equity are the brands that continue with a slow growth, slow and steady growth. Uh, and the ones that don't, the ones, I mean, there's a lot of brands that do it. They thrash their brands. They sell it anywhere and everywhere. And then when you see the big, the up and then the, and then the decline as quickly as the incline was. Okay. That's very interesting. So let's say there's a brand that your organization has identified as a brand that's not currently on your, on the dom.com. Mm-hmm. You decide you're going to go to pitch to them, mm-hmm. put them on your shelf, mm-hmm. digital, shelf. digital shelf. Yeah. You fit much more in a digital shelf. Hundred percent. It's you know it's bigger than any any of the biggest uh, Woolworths or Coles in the country. Mm-hmm. Is because it's effectively infinite. It's as big as you want to make it. How do you go about that? Like, like, what's the process of getting someone to join your movement? We would look. I mean, we would have to make our assumptions before we go in, but we look at what do we think is going to be most important to that brand, and and kind of. Tell now, how do you find the dude, the person? Do you reach out to him on LinkedIn, or how do you get to? Ah, uh, I mean. Yes, there's a lot of LinkedIn. There's a lot of cold approaches. I mean, retail is a small community. There's a, a we, um, obviously he's got a big network, and all the people that we've brought into the business have networks as well. So we just reach out and see who's prepared to hear us by whatever method. Whatever, yeah. I mean, but you everything. use everything. Everything, yeah. There's LinkedIn, no special phone call, email. No, no. There's no. There's no one size fits all. Definitely not. Who do you try to get in front of? Do you try to get in front of the head of marketing or the head of distribution or the CEO? It I mean, depends on the business. I mean, I always like the CEO or the person running it. I think for me is always the best because they can look at the business holistically and and not just and I don't want this this to be taken the wrong way, but you talk to individuals that are in a department and they have very key, well, I guess, very focused KPIs or objectives for their department. For example. A merchandiser, right? They one of their KPIs might be their closing stock at the end of the season. They could go. There are many there are many means through which they could achieve that, and they could go and sell their stock for ten cents in the dollar and through a, through a platform that's going to damage their brand. But 
their KPI is closing have stock. Have zero closing stock. Or whatever. It, no, no, a number, a number. Right, okay. Yeah? But they, 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 they don't want excess stock. If they've got too much, their KPI is, let's call Just it a million dollars. Yeah, you've got a, you, you must have a closing stock of a million dollars. That's your KPI. That's, that, their motivation is to get to that number. Yeah. Their motivation is not to think it's about short-sighted. Correct. What the, what's important for the brand, not just today, but tomorrow and the day after yep. and the day after. And that's why I think if we can talk to a CEO or general manager, whoever it is, that and, and this isn't everybody in that role. I mean, this is just yeah, one yeah, example, but somebody happen. who can understand holistically what we're trying to do. You know, and a part of it is we're not, we, well, we're not going out there and saying we're going to solve today's problem today. Certainly not. We're saying come along for the journey. This is what we're doing. We want you to believe in what we're doing. And this is the future for us. We want to create the future of that outlet business. Come along for the ride. We, we're making it really easy for you. So our, part of our proposition is we've partnered with an Australian uh, tech platform called Marketplacer, and they've got the whole the Marketplace engine that connects into all of the ecosystems of the brands that we partner with. So it's really easy for brands to onboard and to join the DOM. It's really low maintenance. They don't need any resource. It just sort of happens. It's an extension of what they're doing on their site. Yep. Uh, and we're saying, join us now. And we're going to build in, uh, in two, three years. We're going to create, we're going to create the future of outlet. We want to put pressure on, we want you to ask yourself the question, do you actually need physical outlet stores? Uh, because they're expensive. You're paying significant amounts in rent and wages and all these other overheads that you don't pay on the DOM. Uh, and that's our goal. That's where we want to get to. What's the financial model? So how do you make quid out of it? So we just charge a percentage of sales. So whatever gets sold, you, you charge a percentage yeah, of correct. it. correct. So uh, you take clip, yeah. basically, yeah. as a percentage. So, so yeah. even if they want to sell for 10 bucks or 90% discount, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And and just out of just out of interest, a little curious, but uh, um, is your marketplace, mm-hmm. who do you say you use that provides the marketplace? It's a business software? called Marketplacer. Marketplacer. Yeah. So does Marketplacer effectively use the – uh, just uh, uh, reskin and or white label the the cust the um, supplier's website. Is that how, is that we talking? No, about? no, no. So we, we've got our own site. Yeah, but they've got connectors that connect into each of the supplier sites, and we can we've got access if they give us access, obviously, to all of their inventory, uh, to their images, to their descriptions, and we just ingest it and pull it all through. Okay, so you're you're okay. So that's what I want to know. So you're effectively hoovering their stuff mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. Their, With their permission, of course. Yeah, of yeah. course. Oh, authority will, yeah. wouldn't work otherwise. But <laughs> yeah. you're, 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 not, you're not scraping someone's website. No. You're, you're hoovering up what they make available. Yeah. And, and in the format that they want it to be put together and in the pricing, et cetera. Yep. You know, you're, yep. you're, not, you're price takers, not price makers. Yeah. In relation to everyone's stock. Yeah. So, and then, okay, let's talk about marketing. I mean, how do you market? The dom.com. Good question. A difficult question. Um, it was complex. It, 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 it is. It is complex. I think at the at its core, I mean, we believe that we have created a proposition that customers understand. I always like to use the example. I'm not I'm take Airbnb for example. We're not trying to tell the customer, hey, you normally stay in hotels, but just totally change that and go stay in somebody's house. That's, so you're that's not it. trying to disrupt. We're not. Well, no, not not in that sense. We're saying you're not trying to disrupt behavior. Yeah, you like brands, you like discount. Here's the place to buy. It. Here's the place to find yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's convenient. It's elevated. It's inspiring. It's it's well put together. It's well curated. We want to be the destination where anybody who likes brands and likes product, whatever it might be, and we're not going to stick to fashion. We've we've already started to dip our toes into homewares and we want to move into electronics and experiential and, and multiple other verticals. But we want to, our goal is to be that destination where the customer wants value, but they want credible value 
we will be there first. So, but how are you making me aware of that? What's your What's your awareness program? So we about to kick off our big brand awareness campaign, and and it's it's just selling the proposition. You know, we come back to the beginning of how we got to the name and why we got to the name Direct Outlet Mall. Yep. The proposition is really clear. There's not a lot of explaining that we need to do, and we just need to articulate that proposition in a way that relates to our customer to tell them, hey, you like brands, you like discount. Here's the place to here's the place to see it all. We've done lots of different tests, both offline, online. So at the moment, at where we're up to, we are doing all optimizations. We are there's ongoing marketing that we are doing, but we try and we're just testing and learning and pushing and pulling and see where we are getting the results. And then over the next few months, we will start to ramp up in those areas that we are seeing results. Right. So you're at the pointy end now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is probably an where it's going to be pretty expensive, mm-hmm. potentially, mm-hmm. because marketing is a cost. It's not a cheap thing. It is. And it's repetitive and it's uh, consistent, repetitive, and just sh- lots lots of it. Mm-hmm. Whether you choose traditional mediums or you want to use digital mediums or both. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's part of that broad appeal. We, we, want, we, we want to hit them from all angles. We don't want it to just be digital. And I think interesting is the digital, well, a lot of the digital channels at least are becoming, are behaving in ways that are more similar to traditional. Totally. Yeah. Because they get so fucking big, they, they control environments and they have to. Totally, totally. I mean, Facebook is an example. The big challenge for retailers now is not being able to actually attribute the investment they're putting into the sales. So it's becoming increasingly difficult to track where your dollars are. So it's, again, they're just becoming now a digital billboard. Yeah. Once they're a cheap alternative, now they're yeah. an expensive. Or, or not a cheap, but one that you could easily track. You could yeah. say, I'm putting in a dollar and I'm getting. Well, it's cheap because you could back. stop. Yeah, correct. You could say, fuck, that's not working. Correct. Whereas if you go on a TV advertising program, you commit and you've got to pay. Yeah. If you've done a shit ad for your stuff, you can't pull it. If you pull it, you just, you still get charged. So it becomes expensive. Yeah. What's the take up? What's it looking like? On the brand side, amazing. I mean, we, I think that's our biggest asset right now is we've got 300 leading brands and we've got 300 brands that have signed up and said, we believe in what you guys are doing. That means you've done a great job on the pitch. Good. Yeah. Uh, And the customer side. So part part of the reason why we slowed our marketing or go to market a little bit is we weren't getting the the metrics that we wanted. So we took a step back and said, okay, well, what aren't we doing? Something that we're doing is not what the customer wants. And we have spent the last few months bringing on more brands, bringing on more brands that are relevant to the customer and, and a lot of effort and time and optimizing the site to get those metrics to where we are comfortable with what we think is a good base level and, and something that we can build on. So we, we took a step back. We started with some marketing in November and we just saw that the metrics that we're getting weren't right. Scaled back, took a step back, you know, jumped right into it, optimized, brought more brands on. We've got the and we've got those back to where we need, and now we're in a place where I think we're comfortable to just start to take it to the next in level. Twenty twenty two. What's your plan? What, what do you want to see? You know, this time next year, or not this time, towards the end of this year. What What do you hope to you get? Question. Which deserves a good answer. Mm. I'm just trying to think if I give you a financial or what, what kind no, of No, no, probably not a financial. Yeah. Just like uh, maybe give me a qualitative one, not a quantitative. Don't quantify something because that's probably not relevant to me. But qualitatively, I mean, what do you want to see in the next 12 months as a result of all the hard work, all the effort and the investment you're going to make for this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously significant growth. I mean, we want to be doing 10 times what we're doing now. Yep. Which so I think you want is, a 10x, yep. Yeah, which I think is very achievable more than 10x actually uh, i i would really love for 
I mean, I think conversion is a, a really good metric because that, that tells us exactly what the customer is thinking when they come to the site. If the conversion is high, it means they're liking what they see. So there's some key conversion You're goals. You're from the top of the funnel to the bottom. No, no. So how many people come on site and of those, how many people actually transact? Okay, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then so also, you're going to build these metrics. So you're yeah, we've got be, these metrics. Okay. And those are the metrics that I was talking about before yep. that, that give you a really clear view of what the customer thinks of what you're doing. I th- that, that's the main one. And obviously we've got a pipeline of brands that we want to get on board. And there's a lot of brands that, uh, the big powerful brands that will sit and wait and say, when, uh, when we think that you're doing what you say you're going to be doing, then we'll join. And I think if we can get to a point where we can yeah, build the trust of the brands around us. And we've got some really big, strong, powerful brands around us that can be advocates for us and will be advocates for us. You know, they're advocates for the proposition, but actually advocates the for the results. The ones on side, they're an advocate for yeah. you anyway, because yeah. they're on there, I better get on there too. Yeah. But if we can get them to speak to our results as well, not just our proposition, but results, I think that's going to, that, that's probably a good goal, something that we really want to, I would really like to see by the end of this year. Papa Bear, what, did he, what didn't he not cover? I, mean, no, I think you happy with what he said? No, I think I think in the end it all got articulated really well. Uh, the composition <laughs> that um, no, yeah, yeah. You feel good now. Yeah, <laughs> you no. feel better or what? No, something's I think, wrong. I think I think on the metrics, and I, I mean, I know that on the what you want to achieve, and I think uh, what you you asked Justin, what does he want to see by the end of the year? And I think it is. I think it's that oh, he's asking you what you want yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm saying that I feel. Yeah, I'm just validating that I think that it's very clear in their minds. Of course, financially is the big hurdle and it's the number of customers, it's the number of stuff. So I think they've got pretty, they've got pretty serious and significant goals to hit or targets to hit, uh, but they're on track. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud and I hope it works. I think you did a fucking great job. You got a question for me? I actually asked a question that I wanted to ask you. How do you shop? How do I shop? Yeah. Depends what it is. So, um, can I give you an example? Yeah, Something that's example. fresh from yeah. me. Kitchen knife. You want to buy a kitchen knife? Yep. How do you buy it? I know the brand I like. Um, yeah. I need, uh, if you're talking about sh- sharp knives, yeah. cutting, cutting which, knives. Which brand can I uh, ask? Um, it's a Japanese brand. I can't think of the name of it is at the moment. Um, <laughs> but but I only like, uh, um, I like a, a certain, the thing is, most people know this, I'm a knife freak, okay? Mm-hmm. So I collect knives. Okay. And I, I actually have a, right called, I have a guy called that, GB Blades way. who makes my blades for me and yeah. he makes them out of uh, Damascus steel. So I'm very particular about the sort of steel I have, um, how it's been um, uh, how it's been heated, how many layers of it, of, of it there is, et cetera. And I, I'm really particular about the handle. I'm very particular how the handle's been at, at, attached to the blade as well. So I have a big collection of knives. Um, is anybody allowed set, to touch your a bit knives? fucking freaky, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No one's allowed to touch my knives unless I allow them to. So, and, and in terms of a kitchen knife, a cutting knife, I'm very oh, So these are not kitchen knives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the ones uh, that you, they, you can use them as kitchen knives, but when it comes to ki- that was a bit of a preface. Can I, ask, can I ask what else you might use them for or is that for the next podcast? Just collection. Okay. Just collection. I mean, uh, they're, they're, it is, it's a bit intimidating. My kids think it's a bit weird, but so – you know, help when a birthday's coming up or Christmas coming up, and the kids say, "Oh fuck, it's hard to buy you a present." So I thought, well, okay, this is many years ago. I thought, well, I'm just going to establish a situation where I just say, "Don't buy me anything, buy me a knife," and go on. And here are the websites or the Instagram pages I like to follow, where the knives come from, and this is the type of steel like. So they can save up, buy me a four or five hundred dollar knife. Two, I say, if you can afford it, you got four of you, four brothers. All putting together, I'm happy just to get one knife from all four of you. 
But every birthday, uh, Father's Day or Christmas, just get me a fucking knife, okay? Um, and or, or a bottle of whiskey. So it makes it easy for them. And that way I get what I fucking want. Knife and whiskey. Shit. That's dangerous. <laughs> knife and whiskey. Well, look, I, if I had time, I could tell you some really fucking fucked up stories about, um, you know, what I do at my farm with my sons when we're drinking and uh, some of the weird shit that I've uh, take, dragged them through the forest in the pitch black when I've gone down with uh, night, night goggles on and left them in the middle of the forest in the, like when they were 15, 16 years of age or something like that and um, bolted and uh, left them there on a night when there's no full moon so that they, just to see where they can make their way back to the main house. So you can imagine the sort of stuff that's going <laughs> through my mind and their mind, but we don't have time to talk about that. I've really appreciated this conversation. I, I actually like the dynamic between the two. Um, I thought, I think, I'll be honest with you, Hilton, I think Justin is very polished. So good job. The apple doesn't drop far from the tree, but he's his own man. So well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Good to be on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Smalley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.